0: time what a time uh, about a year ago I tried I it was I think it was exactly a year ago I tried to record an episode uh, in the middle of the night and somehow I signed into a brand new podcast and I sent it to a small handful of people and no one listened to it and I don't think it was because the story I told in that episode was not a compelling story. I think it was because, much like, you know, when they change the packaging on your favorite whatever capitalism thing, you're just like, oh, I don't know what this is. Even though it says, you know, fig jelly on it. I Like, is it fig jelly if I don't recognize it? Um, so... The Savage is back to give you things that you recognize. Um, I'm recording this at six minutes to midnight. It is about to be Tuesday, and Tuesdays are good days to tell stories. Where I live, I have lived for many of my lives. Um, I once met. Oh, that's a whole other story. I could tell that story too. I once met um, a clairvoyant who told me that I was on my ninth life and that in every other life, in every life, not every other, in every life besides this life, I've been a man. And that's why I can feel like I don't belong sometimes. Um, That's a whole other story, but uh, we can tell it, so I met this clairvoyant, and, uh, you know, I just met her, she was, like, she wasn't, she had somebody, right, like, she was, she was top-notch, this woman, what was her name? Crystal? Um, I'm not making that up, I could be making that up, but I'm pretty sure that I'm not making that up, um, and it gives me chills to tell this story, actually, so I met this clairvoyant, somebody was like handing out little flyers, like palm reading for $10. And I was young, I wanted a palm reading for $10. I probably only had $10. And um, I go to this person's, it's their house, it's, it's her apartment. Um, but it's very clean. Maybe they didn't live there. Um, it was across the street from Bloomingdale's on 59th Street. And these days, it's a very empty lot very empty like they uh who's there developers developers who haven't built anything there in ten years developers knocked down like maybe six but like little buildings they were like very they were very small apartment buildings but the buildings themselves were only like three or four floors and um I don't know I don't know what's going on in New York like they close stuff down tear it down like lock it up like they're they got plans for this place they got plans for this thing and then like you walk by year after year 10 years pass, like that shit didn't happen still um so right it's clairvoyant (laughs) is um i don't even know where she was from she might have been like persian she was like she had these like lorna dune cookies I was with her for like long like many an hour and she told me a lot of things that are not the point of this story but um I thought she was a very good clairvoyant like you know uh throughout the year that had passed between like trying to go see her again a lot of the things that she had talked to me about um had clarified like had had materialized um she wasn't, like, telling the future. She was just, like, kind of telling me about myself um, and about, like, my past and, and what was happening in the present. And so a year later, I wanted to go see her again, like, you know, a yearly reading, if you will. And I go to the exact same place and knock on the exact same door. It was, like, an apartment one or whatever. Um, and a whole other person answered the door an older person a whole other person answered the door and I was like oh is Crystal here and this woman old woman maybe not that old maybe if she heard this, she'd be like I was not old but that was like 10 years ago and she must be old now I'm rambling I have missed rambling I'm not drinking anything I should also fix that my brain needs to be lubricated to remember this story um, yeah, so this old woman, white woman, looking me up and down, like, uh, what, and I'm like, Crystal, um, she's a palm reader, she's, obviously, (laughs) you're in the wrong place, person who lives here, this woman said, I have lived here for 15 years, there is no Crystal here, and I'm like, no, but there is, (laughs) and, like, I have the gall to, like, look into this woman's apartment and it it is the same apartment and like it's the same furniture it's like the same everything so I have had like the situation in my life where like a friend lived at whatever 1400 and I accidentally walked into 1402 because like the two facades look the same and then like you go to the apartment and obviously it's you know not your friend so you leave uh but it was like so eerie that like it was the apartment and this like woman is like no I've lived here forever um and so thinking about that now go back thinking about that then I was convinced that I had like materialized this person and like had hallucinated the whole thing um but thinking about it now like clearly like those buildings were torn down clearly like I mean, it's clear to me and it's not to say anything bad about anybody, but like if I needed a space to work in to like have people sit comfortably with me and I knew some people who had access to some buildings, like what if, you know, this like clairvoyant was just kind of like squatting in this woman's apartment and this woman was like away for the summer or something. I This is the first time I'm thinking that. Which is amazing, because I have constantly thought, like, oh, you, you, I have, like, made that entire thing up. So, whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Walk away. Over the years, uh, whoever these developers are, I wish I knew who they were. Like, shout out Screwball Grease, Greaseface? Greaseball is the word I'm looking for there. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to these like Greaseball developers who are taking over my city. Um, So right, they tear down all these buildings maybe like the following year and um, they put up like municipal green um, wall like just plywood, but they painted municipal green. Municipal green is such a beautiful green, I must say. Um, I miss the actual municipal green. There's like a new municipal green that is not. It's obviously nicer, but it's not appropriate. Like it's just so nice. Like, why does everything have to be so nice? Like when they like tore down all the newsstands and put these like chem USA, C-E-M, Chem USA like, silver phantom boxes, and, like, they're phantom boxes, because, like, I guess no one's allowed to even own a newsstand anymore, like, there was a whole thing uh, in, like, the, I think it was the Bloomberg era, I don't believe it to be the Giuliani era, um, in New York, where, like, regular newsstands were kind of, like, torn down and replaced, but then, like, different people were working at them. And then, you know, the newsstand is, like, a neighborhood fixture. So you can't just, like, replace your newsstand. And then the newsstand person at the same time. And then suddenly, no one runs a newsstand. Oh, you know what it is. Because these newsstands, uh, you know, used to be built by, like, your uncle. Who, like, came here on a boat from somewhere. With, you know, $50 in his pocket. But I'm sure the whole point of making these silver... Newsstands was to charge rent, and um, you know your uncle is not going to pay that rent. He's probably going to drive a cab. How did this podcast turned into, um, you know, the state of capitalism in New York over the last twenty years? I mean, that's that's a podcast onto itself. But why I'm really here? Oh wait, I'm not done with that story about the clairvoyant. So they put up these uh, municipal green plywood walls and uh, somebody spray paints in like a light blue the word clairvoyant and like draws like an eye and I guess the developer doesn't like that so they paint over it but you can still see it (laughs) you can still see the spray paint so whoever this vandal is spray paints it again in yellow and then the developer turns um, those wood slots upside down instead of painting them over and then they turn upside down. I forget what happens next, but it was like before the time when they would just like plaster them with um, ads for things. What happens next? I forget, but like it felt eerie in the same way that this woman answers the door and is like, I've lived here for 15 years. There is no crystal here. Uh, It felt eerie that, like, someone kept spray painting. Like, they wanted people to remember those clairvoyant who, like, used to live there. And you know what? If you're out there, Crystal, I wish I knew your last name. You should look me up because I would love to talk to you about those things that you said to me 10 years ago. And uh, my perspectives on them 10 years later. I'm just getting something to drink, but now I'm... Having a detour. I feel like my life is just detours. My life is just like distraction and like having a great thought and then forgetting it because you like walk through a doorway. There's something about like walking through a doorway that just like, I don't know if that's like evolutionarily designed or like if it's like a sickness of our modern times. But I feel like anytime you walk through the doorway, you like forget even the point of why you were um of why you were going to that room. And I feel like the way that we use media and like the internet is like every new click, every possible thing is a new doorway. Um, and so, I think I'm telling this story about Crystal and never finding her again because that felt really eerie and creepy and, like, made me wonder if I had, like, made the whole thing up. And I feel like I have a lot of those moments in my life. And we're back. Please drink something. I'm just drinking water. Because I have pomegranate juice in my fridge, but... It's like past midnight and pomegranate juice is actually like, sorry, my like water bottle just like hit the, (laughs) hit the microphone. (laughs) I'm sorry for your ears, but I imagine that's going to sound ridiculous. Um, pomegranate juice is very energizing and it's, um, you know, after midnight, like I don't think that that's going to be an appropriate choice. I feel like, um feel like even the concept of an appropriate choice is a joke lately because like in a world where in a world in a world where you could have literally anything you want at any time for any price from anyone right like are there even appropriate choices. And, like, what's an appropriate choice? I'm not, like, shaming anybody about, like, wanting to have a coffee right now. But, you know, there are, like, energetic, better choices to make about things. Like, uh, I was with a friend this evening and yesterday. Gosh, what is today? I was with a friend this evening and You know, the end of August is an interesting time in terms of the weather, at least in New York. And, you know, it's summer. Like, you don't want to be wearing a sweatsuit. But we were both toward, like, the end of the time at the cafe feeling really cold. Because, like, if you didn't have the AC on at full blast, it would be very humid and uncomfortable. And uh, when you do, you freeze. But we even, like, stepped outside, and we're feeling like, it's still cold. Like, can we stop for a tea or something? And so that's what I'm saying about, like, an appropriate choice. Like, maybe an appropriate choice would have been a hot drink, but, like, who's thinking about a hot drink in the end of August when the humidity is about 70% still? Um, And at the same token, like, who's thinking about wearing a sweater right now? I am, because... I'm thinking about, like, all the places that I'll be and what the AC might be like. But, like, that's annoying. Like, (laughs) that's not going to be the majority of the time. Like, you can't make your outfit a sweater right now. But maybe you should. I don't know. Appropriate choice. Speaking of clothes, um, throw out those pants. You have not seen or heard from me in four years. And yet, you and I both know the pants that I'm talking about. I think it's time that we stop letting our clothing reject us. Like, it's time that we, like, step back into our power and own the clothes instead of the clothes owning us. Right? So, like, I have a couple of pairs of pants on the floor because I'm rejecting them. They can't reject me anymore. Um, I have a friend who... I think his kids wear uniform. I almost said students, but no, these are his actual children who belong to him. Um, I always, like, I feel like word choice is very interesting lately. Like, I feel like um, I really have to think carefully about the words that I use. Because, like, kids and students are two different things. Much like, um, oh, there was another one that I thought of just now. Kids and students... What was it? Why doesn't this thing, like, let you pause? Jeez. I was just, like, trying to think of a little word. Um, Anyway, I have a friend who I think his kids wear a uniform to go to school. Oh, that was the other thing. Yes. Great. I'm glad I paused. You know, kids, saying kids when you mean students and students when you say kids, like, don't do that. Saying school when you mean work, do you have school today? Do you have work today? Those are two entirely different sentiments. Just like these kids are so loud. These students are so loud. Very different sentiments too. Much, 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 much like this hyper use of you guys. I probably do it. I probably do it more often than I ought to, but I do think about it right like i have a friend who makes a joke about like you wouldn't say like right cuz the the defense of like you guys hey guys whatever the defense of that is like it means everyone um and so i have a friend who like makes this joke to like make the point that you can't do this you wouldn't say that what was it like you wouldn't say that you slept with everyone by saying i slept with all these guys and, like, I think, like, when you say that to, like, a heterosexual man, like, it makes the point. I There's, like, a lot that I recognize that makes sense to heterosexual men that will probably never make sense to me. But if that made sense to you, I applaud you. Stop saying you guys. You know where it happens the most? It happens, like, in places that are supposed to be inclusive. At least I've noticed. Um, where was I recently? I don't think I was at yoga, but I'm pretty sure I was at yoga. And it wasn't the yoga studio that I actually enjoy going to. Um, which... Oh! It was the Pilates studio. And this particular... So Pilates is for everyone. I have been to Pilates studios where everyone is there. Every types... Every types of persons. Um, no, but this particular Pilates studio was mostly women and I guess we didn't introduce ourselves for me to know what their pronouns were but they appeared to be women and the instructor a woman who did tell me her pronouns were she and her uh kept referring to us as you guys okay guys this is what we're doing now okay guys thanks guys like no I'm not a guy I had an organic chemistry professor say to all of us, like, I'm not a guy. She was also an artist. She remains, like, the coolest person that I've ever met. What was her name? I forget. No, I know what it is. I just don't want to say it. (laughs) Okay. Yes, the pants. Get rid of the pants. I have pants that I'm rejecting. I have a lot of pants that I've already rejected. I am taking my power back. Oh, back to my friend, my friend who has children who probably wear a school uniform. Um, he has decided he's gonna wear a school uniform. and um that makes me really excited for him. I would love to actually, I kind of do have a uniform, but like because I'm a woman, people have so many fucking opinions about it, but I think I'm gonna go back to this uniform because like it makes sense and like you can lay it out for the whole week and just keep wearing it and it's chic and it's like oh what are you wearing you're wearing that yeah i don't remember you ever wearing that you look great tuesday you look great wednesday you look great thursday you look great and you know what like if you wear different shoes every time it is a different outfit let's bring back like uniform dressing like, everybody was so enamored with uh, Steve Jobs, like, just because a white guy does it and then he passes doesn't mean that we can't still do it. But then, like, crazy people do it. Um, crazy is an ableist term, but, like, who's that crazy person? She was, like, delusional. What was her name? Oh, my God. Theranos, girl. Elizabeth Theranos. I don't know. What was her name? Whatever. Like, you know, unwell people give it a bad reputation, uniform dressing. But, you know, do you say anything to, like, the train conductor wearing uniform? No. Do you say anything to, like, the person going to private school? Like, trillion-dollar private school? Absolutely not. So, bring back the uniform and stop the daily rejection. You make some rejections. What are you rejecting? Proudly reject, for me, I guess it's the pants. Um, for you, it might be something else. But, like, we can't let it take up space in our psyche. Like, oh, I own this thing that rejects me. And we can't let it take up space in our life. Like, nobody has that much space. And if you do, maybe, like, keep things in that space that are inspiring rather than like I'm gonna need that for this and this and that thing one day I will be that size again no and and if you are you should probably get something from right now instead of 1987 that's a thought you know what's crazy like I've never felt this in my adult life but there are some of these clothes that I look at before I get rid of them I'm like this looks so dated. And what's crazy about that is like, eight years ago, it was so modern. <laughs> it was very of the time. Like, I don't know, I guess I didn't recognize that like time was going to pass. Um, but I did. And I thought, this will still be stylish. This will still be the thing. And it isn't. And it's just kind of funny. Like, is this how, like, I don't know why I'm asking this question, because I know the answer. Like, this is how, like, eras of dressing get established. But I feel also, like, right now, there's, um, so much attention to like the past like I feel like everything before it was 90s was very 70s and before it was 70s was very like pajamas all day and before pajamas all day it was 2019 anyway there's a sense of like a time a time warp that doesn't track anymore like Like, I look at what's in style now, and I'm like, yo, like, I should have kept my middle school wardrobe, because that's what's in style right now, and, like, it's taken a lot for me to, like, not cringe, and, like, I do wear sneakers and dresses, but uh, the sneaker dress combo was, like, cringe for, like, ever. Anyway, what are we talking about? We're talking about throw out the pants, and we're talking about... This, like, moment in time at the end of August where, like, time clicks into this, like, it's not a new year. It is a new year in some uh, religious traditions. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, What I'm going to say is, like, time seems to click in and you're in, like, this new space. But uh, that can be kind of scary. And I don't think it's changed. that's scary. I think it's just, like, to be in a liminal space that's scary. And I also, I haven't noticed it lately because, like, who's making movies anymore? But, like, I enjoy scary movies. I have enjoyed scary movies. I, I do enjoy scary movies. I find that scary movies aren't scary anymore. And I also think that that's because I've seen so many of them. Like, it becomes, like, a practice in, like, film analysis and like um I'm not a doctor by any means but it becomes like watching scary movies becomes a practice and like um oh it's the word like comorbidity analysis like everything that a character is doing I'm like oh like is this person schizophrenic is this person bipolar like what does this person have that's making them feel this way do this like not remember like a lot of scary movies are based on mental illness which um gives me a lot of thoughts and opinions about um media portrayal of mental illness but I digress I had a podcast episode about well it wasn't about but there was like a mention of the d d dsm5 I almost call it the dvsm because the the five is a Roman numeral, excuse me. Um, and hopefully they're past number five, but also hopefully like they stop writing this freaking book that is only written to like make people uh, ascribe to the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, the pharmaceutical industry is like the worst way that capitalism has tried to be like, capitalism is health. Anyway, Liminal Space, Scary Movies, August, August, summer. I mean, it's still summer. Just because time is clicking doesn't mean it's not summer anymore. It's summer until, like, September 22nd. Get over it. It's summer for a whole, maybe not a whole, but mostly a month longer. Great scary movies come out in the summer. And... All of my dreams in the summer could be scary movies. And I'm not saying that, like, I have all these nightmares and I should be looked at. Maybe I should. But there's something about the liminal space of summer that allows my mind this, like, space and room to roam to, like, all these, like, odd thoughts I've had some really like scary dreams recently that like like I've told them to people and people have been like that makes me feel like this reality is the dream and it's a nice dream and the dream that you just told me about is real life and real life is really scary. And I can't even remember any of them right now and like I could pause and like remember what they were but like my Point in talking about my dreams, is that my mind seems to connect like discrepant events very quickly because I have this like training of watching scary movies. And when I see a really scary movie as an adult, maybe not as a younger person, I will usually see it again with a different person to like give it that further analysis and even thinking about how like there are some scary movies that I've seen and seen again is like giving me the creeps like like I'm kind of like looking around this room like is something gonna pop out right now and it's not about the jump scare for me at least and my sister and I used to watch a lot of scary movies together and it was never the jump like the jump scare was obviously like you get scared and she would jump so hard And I would laugh at her, and I would be like, "I knew that was coming." But for and you know, for some people, it is the jump scare that um, you know gives them that adrenaline rush that makes them enjoy the scary movie. But for me, it's like, "Oh, but like this detail in the beginning is the crux of this thing happening in the middle, and it's you know the reason of some." I wish I could like reveal some like plot of a scary movie to make what I'm saying make sense. But my thinking is that I get scared in a cerebral way. I get scared from thinking about it. I don't get scared necessarily from watching it. And I don't even like scary movies that are graphic. Like Evil Dead. People love Evil Dead. There's like five Evil Dead movies. I can't watch them. I think I tried to watch the first one. I was grossed out. I might have even considered like throwing up. Like I don't like gore. I don't like to see the blood. Like for me, that's not it. I also don't enjoy like zombie, zombie anything. Like zombie anything is, you know, a harsh reality that we will probably all end up facing if we're not already facing it. Like The way that we use media and the way that it scrambles our brain. Like, a lot of us are zombies. And, you know, they they don't eat us. But they might eat us. Because, like, they're not thinking. I need to drink something. Oof. Anyway. Liminal space. Scary movies. Sometimes my life is, like, a scary movie. (sighs) a long time ago um how old was I I was 10 it was actually wow okay it's crazy how like the details come back to you as you start to like talk and then you like get out of order because like now you have to like go back this is actually the time frame. I was 10 years old it was just a month or two after 9-11 and what a time you know there were so many like american flags there was so much like distrust between communities members of communities who had always like been together been there for each other but there was also a lot of like unity there was also a lot of like uh consideration that new york was not the big bad that everyone knew it to be. Like it was hurting at that time and a lot was going to change about it or or maybe it even had to change about it. When I like, when I think about that time and when I like see old pictures and when I think about like, you know, the things that I used to do in Manhattan with my parents, you know, before that, it feels like, feels like a a quaint country town like it doesn't feel like this like berserk neo reality that it's become anyway I also think you know people set fire to things that they just want to get rid of and like replace but I can't say more about that right now okay so Shortly after 9-11, 10 years old. Um, my parents where they live, they we had only lived there for about two years. And there was a lot about it that still kind of scared me because it was like this big old house. And I find myself like sensitive to energy. And I wasn't like, you know, scared every day, but you know, every now and then I would be like in some different part of the house and I would I would just like get this like chill like ooh like something is here or like something has happened here or like why is the light behaving like that in here and that's what I'm saying it's not just about like the things that I saw it's about the things that I thought and there were other times that like I wasn't thinking at all right like as a means of like don't be scared like don't think all these like wild things like you're just in a room right now it's fine you're fine it's fine be fine okay shortly after 9-11 I think this was actually pretty common that people from like other parts of the country were coming here with like this concept that they wanted to help downtown that was the phrasing of it too like they're <sighs> I wish I could tell you, like, what they were helping to do, but I do believe that they were still, like, finding people many months later who had been, like, hurt or, like, become very sick or were lost or, like, were very injured. Um, I wish that I had somebody a little bit older who was, like, in New York here in the room with me Lots of people have like so many stories about 9/11 like like I feel like for a long time it was taboo like nobody wanted to talk about it but I feel like in recent times and by recent I mean like in the last 5 6 years you know like kids kids are learning about it in school and that makes me feel like real strange but what I'm my point of that is like it's not so taboo anymore um, and I feel like, like, I feel like people should be asking each other, maybe for the first time in a long time, like, tell me about where you were on nine eleven and, like, the following couple of years. Like, what do you remember? I was talking to somebody the other day about, like, how Aaliyah died two weeks before nine eleven, and then Left Eye died, like, a year later. And, like, it creates this tone of consistent tragedy tragedy okay <sighs> sorry i didn't mean to like take a turn into tragedy um but i guess it is the tone of what we're talking about <sighs> okay so i'm telling you a scary story i'm telling you about tragedy and i i have this like little lamp where like all the bulbs are like a slightly different amount of turned on, and, like, as I start saying, like, I guess that is the tone, we're, like, talking about tragedy, uh, one of these, like, little lights, like, just got brighter, like, great, try not to think about it, except, okay, I mean, like, a lot of things like that happen in my life where, you know, like, I'll say something that's, like, true or, like, insightful, and then, like, there'll be a dinging sound from, like, a phone or, like, whatever, and so now here's like this commentary about tragedy, and this light is turning on. okay, yes, good. So people were coming to the city to help out downtown, and that meant a lot of things, depending on people's skill set. So my parents had a very larger house, and so there were other apartments in it, and uh this woman came from louisiana saying that she was coming to help downtown was she a nurse unclear i remember quite a few things about her and it feels fuzzy because of like the time that it was right like it was a traumatic time right like your city was on fire and like You weren't sure if it was ever going to be the same and, you know, cut to the chase. It never was. Um, So I think that's how, like, these memories are so fuzzy and, like, disconnected almost. But, you know, my parents didn't really rent to people who had kids and, like, you know, we were new to the neighborhood. Like, I wasn't really friends with too many neighborhood kids. And I think that read, or at least it read to her. You know, there were a couple of other tenants in the house, in the building, and, um, you know, they never took interest in me, which was normal. Like, these are adult people. Like, they are here to live, not make friends with a 10-year-old. But this woman took an interest in me, and it came off like grandmotherly, but she didn't look old enough to be a grandmother. And she, like, she would see me in like the hall and be like, I would love for you to come upstairs. We can paint together. We can craft together. Anything you want to do, I would love to. And um, my parents were never the type to be like, yeah, I'll get this kid out of my hair. My parents wanted me with them, whether they were doing something fun or not. My parents wanted me with my family if I couldn't be with them. Like, it was a very big deal to, like, have somebody pick me up from school because, like, my school was too far away and I couldn't necessarily get home alone. Maybe I could have. Whatever. Under the age of 10. Probably not. (laughs) But, you know, that was a very big deal because, like, that was not a family member. So, right. Like, my parents, I, I was also, like, never alone to, like, make the decision myself. Like, oh, yeah, I'll go with you. You know, stranger, stranger danger. I don't know if even that was like a saying back then. It probably was stranger danger. No, it wasn't stranger danger. What was it like? Don't talk to strangers. Say no to strangers. Something like that. Anyway, she was a stranger, right? Like she's not my family member. Um, so I was never alone to like be, you know, lured to her apartment or whatever. And my parents would always just like laugh it off okay but some rainy Saturday it was rainy I remember that vividly and I also remember that it was kind of like still warm out some rainy Saturday this person says I don't want to reveal her name this person says I just made some lemonade and I want no what was that i just made some cookies and you could come up here and have some lemonade and cookies and i want to show you my paintings and she was an avid painter she um she had like a very large apartment and she turned the living room into a studio space and she had told us that she was doing that and we had like caught a glimpse of it before this interaction cookies and lemonade see my paintings And I thought that was the coolest thing. Because, like, I didn't know that many creative people when I was a kid. And, like, my only experience with creativity was, like, art class. And, like, my art teacher when I was that young was, like, um, a hippie. And I thought that was, like, what art was. Like, being a hippie. And I think I I did ask my parents, like, I want to go for, like, to see her paintings. And my parents... Gave me a cookie, and they were like, "Don't eat anything she gives you." I'm like, "But she like made me cookies," and they were like, "I don't care." And I think also like at that time in my life, like I was very like interested in like baking and like, you know, maybe my parents said to me like, "When you come back, you can bake your own cookies. It's fine." And that was actually very smart of my parents, because like people are sick. Like you don't know what she was like putting in the cookies. You don't know like what you don't know you don't know like what do these cookies symbolize to her and this is my cerebral getting scared as an adult telling the story right like I've seen movies or like you know it's true that there are religious traditions or at least like beliefs that you know you put something of yours into some food item and then the person that eats it um you know belongs to you at that point, and I actually had a friend who, you know, like, I mentioned that they are in the army to just say that they are a very rational person, well, maybe, I don't, you know, geez, don't go down that route, okay, I mean, like, when I spoke to this person about, like, tarot, and, like, astrology, and, like, things like that, like, they were always, like, questioning but when they were in a situation in which somebody had revealed that they put something of theirs into the food that they consumed and now like you know the person my friend who ate it you know is under some kind of belongingness to this other person they called me freaked out right like that's a thing in many cultures okay so they let me go. Maybe they let me go for 10 minutes, right? But when you're a kid, 10 minutes is like a whole hour. Like I wasn't there for a long time. So i go and she's like showing me around her house and it's like cool, but like not where like a grandma lives. And like her whole shtick with me is like, she's a grandma, but like she's not. And like it get, like, I figure that out when I'm up in her place. And, uh, I forget what made me know that she wasn't a grandma, whatever. So I feel lied to. I'm just like, you're not old. Like you're not like old and cuddly and like making cookies like this. Like you're just like, not right. Like you just want me here for some strange reason. I didn't say any of this to her, but like, this is how I felt and, like, I can only narrate this because of what happens next. And I remember what happens next so incredibly vividly. Right? So, like, this is the part of the scary movie where, like, the violin is like... That was a terrible violin imitation. But I think you know what I mean. Right? Like, it, it becomes clear that this woman is not, like, Grandmother Lee. So, she takes me into, the, like, the studio area... And I'm like, oh, like, she's probably, like, some real fun artist. And so she starts showing me her paintings. And I don't remember a lot of them. I remember one. Well, a lot of them were, like, in progress, too. And I remember one of, like, a ballerina. But it was, like, a gray and sad ballerina, like, on the floor. And, like, I appreciated that. She was painting people who were melanated. But like the feeling of this ballerina was that she was broken. And at 10 years old, I felt that. And, and I had danced ballet for a long time. And so like maybe that's the first one that I looked at. And she said to me like, I want to give you this painting. This painting makes me think of you. And I was like, really? But you painted it. And she was like, yeah, I was thinking of you when I painted it. And I was like, okay, we'll we'll have to ask my parents. And also, like, it was so big. Like, my parents were never the type to, like, hang up, like, big artwork. They're still not. Anyway, so just, like, ballerina. There's, like, some other, like, half-done canvases. Like, lots of color on them. there was one of you know it was like work in progress so it was coming along and um it was people in like green outfits and they were sitting and um their faces were blank and like that was also like kind of scary to see like (laughs) these like are fully painted people without faces and you know, she's talking about this, like, I was thinking of you and I was painting this ballerina and I want you to have it and whatever. And, you know, I'd really love to paint you. Like, I think you're so pretty and maybe some other compliments. And I'd love to paint you into, into this painting. Look, like, nobody has faces yet. And I was like, are you going to, like, paint a lot of people? Like, because there's a lot of people in this painting. And she was like, I don't know, but, like, I can paint you. Like, you're here. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I got to go soon. And she's like, well, you haven't even had any, like, cookies or lemonade. and So she, like, leaves the room. And, like, I'm kind of, like, left with this paint. It's a giant painting. It's, like, how to convey the size just without showing you anything. Um, sheesh. Big. <laughs> um two or three yards wide. It was rectangular. Two or three yards, 10 feet almost wide. And it wasn't because I'm small, right? Like I was small then. I'm pretty much the same height now. Like this was a big easel. And I remember being like confused, like what is holding this up? Anyway, so I'm like looking at this painting and it's like, looks very like military and it looks very like sad and it looks very like like the ballerina painting was gray and this one is like not right like there's something in the contrast of like the army greens with like the other colors in it It just doesn't seem correct and then like the facelessness of the uh people in it and, like, the chairs of them, they were, they were sitting in chairs. So I'm, like, left with this painting. And I'm not freaking out, but it's just, like, creepy. And she comes back with, like, the cookies and the lemonade. And I think I tell her, I think I tell her, like, my parents don't want me to eat anything you give me. And she's like, but why not? I'm like, I don't know. They, they be saying stuff. I don't know. They gave me cookies. Do you want a cookie? And she's like, "No, I made you these." I'm like, "I'm not gonna have one. I'm sorry." And she's like, "That's okay." Um, What do you think about being in my painting, though? And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. Like, I gotta go." And and she's like, kind of like not really letting me out the door. Usually, somebody says, "I gotta go," you like walk into the door. She's like, "That's not happening." But I'm not feeling unsafe either. I'm just kind of like, you know, you get stuck at your relative's house saying goodbye 12 times. Like, that's what I feel like I'm in. I don't know what she says next, but I decide, like, well, what is this even a painting of? Like, nobody has a face and everybody's, like, wearing green. And she goes, well, this is a painting of children who have watched their parents die. And I was like, And you want to paint me into that? And she's like, yeah, your parents have such a beautiful house. And such a beautiful daughter. I want to capture you. And I was like, okay. I don't think I want to be in that painting. Maybe you could, like, paint me as the ballerina. I, like, I do ballet. Right, and little kids are so resilient like this woman like was crazy this woman wanted to like literally capture me and i was in her grip and what i think happened was like my father came up the stairs to be like all right you got to go now And, like, I happily went. And I think, like, I think he knew she was off. But, like, I was so little that, like, he didn't want to, like, be, like, what happened when you were there. And you know what? He was probably right outside the door. Possibly the whole time. And I think, like... You know, it's an old, like, creaky house. And I'm sure, like, when she went to, like, go get these cookies, like, it made enough noise that he was like, all right, there are the cookies. Like, let's get her out of there. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, stranger danger. But also, you know, it came out later that this woman was not a nurse. I do remember that. And I remember that being like revelation, revolutionary, revolutionary. That was a revelation. That was new information when we found that out. And, you know, like, what are you here doing then? Help out downtown. And you're an artist. Like, you could be an artist and a nurse. Like, that's okay. But if you're not even a nurse, I don't know. The whole thing, when I think about it now, just like, creeps me out so bad she was gonna paint me into a picture of children who would watch their parents die why because she was gonna kill my parents I don't know she so I don't know what what was up with her but like she would get into like these freak accidents like one time she like walked into the house and like she had been living here for a while and she's just like rammed herself into like a table, a table that's like, in the corner. And like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, you know, people walk into things and like, maybe things shouldn't be there. But like a table like in the corner, and like not in the direction she needed to go. Right? And so that's adding to the creepy factor of this story. Because this table was closer to our door. So, be so careful about who you let in. I had a dream recently. Actually, this is the only dream story that I'll tell you. I don't know, I'm feeling a bit afraid and it's like late and I'm like by myself. I have to wake up in the morning. Um, I am of the belief that the things that you dream about are things that you have seen pretty recently and especially if you like stay up late as I have been in the last couple of weeks. Um, If you're staying up late and like you're tired, like the things that you look at kind of get imprinted on your what is it subconscious um until you dream about those things but I can tell you for a fact that I was watching the powerpuff girls for maybe an hour before I went to sleep this day powerpuff girls if you're unaware it's a very cheerful children's cartoon each episode is about 12 minutes long so 12 minutes for an hour I probably watched five episodes of this like children's uh little superhero show and it was like adorable episodes one of them was like a monster came to town what is a monster in Powerpuff Girls like um a fluffy green giant making crazy sounds A green giant comes to Townsville and um is like wrecking it because it's looking for its cat And one of the Powerpuff Girls does like a cat call. Meow, meow, meow. And all these cats show up. The whole cat. The whole cats. All the cats from the whole town. And uh, the, the monster's cat was actually stuck on the monster the whole time. Right. Okay. Relevant because. Here's the dream. The dream is that the whole world is black and white. And gray. And raining. And... Uh, it's black and white and gray and raining because it had recently been on fire because of a climate crisis, climate issue, specific climate issue, whatever it was. And this was actually before, um, the Hawaii fires, right? So this was, this had no reason to be in my subconscious. And so (laughs) typical me, um, I gotta go to work. I gotta work out. I gotta do this. I gotta do that, and I'm gonna schedule everything so that everything's back to back to back. And um, because of this climate issue and the world recently having been on fire, we are under martial law. So within the stream, I am trying to make some appointment for something, and I have I have another appointment for something else, and I'm trying to make sure. And I step outside, even though I'm not supposed to. Because I'm trying to make sure that they are one door away from each other, right? So I double check this. Yes, I will be here later for said appointment. I will be here the next, I will be at the second place after. Is this okay with everybody? Great. Don't tell anyone. We're under martial law. I'm really not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be at my house. So, you know, I slink off to my house and, um, whatever I'm like hanging out in my house and some friend I don't know which friend some friend calls me and says like I'm about to get caught outside can you let me in and I'm like you're not even supposed to be outside like what are you doing and they're like well I came to see you like just let me in I'm like all right like you better be right there when I open the door so neither of us like gets in trouble because I guess that's how my mind thinks martial law works Like, you can be outside, but as soon as the door opens is when, you know, attention will be drawn. Okay. Probably not. Probably a little bit kid's cartoon of me, of my subconscious. Um, So I open the door and in a very quick flash, there is a woman with long hair holding a screwdriver. The back, like, not like using the screwdriver, like she's holding the screwdriver part of it so that the handle is exposed and she like just kind of like shows up quick flash and she says to my friend like oh like I was trying to fix the door and I dropped the screw can you help me get it and my friend like stoops down to reach for something that's not there and this woman kneels over my friend and taps them on the back of the neck like two or three times lightly. Like it looks like, like so light, like just a little like knocking back of the neck. And, um, my friend dies. My friend falls to the ground. Doesn't make a sound. I'm just dead. And I look at this woman and I said, well, we're going to get in trouble if they find me with my door open. So are you going to come inside and this woman is, has been, like, crouched over my friend for an inordinate amount of time. And she, like, floats up and she reveals fangs. Not in a menacing way, but I see that she has fangs. And she's wearing this, like, what I can only imagine is, like, what people wear on a farm. Like, a very, like, round brimmed hat and, like, like, a French farm type of a dress, like, very high long and like high neckline and like empire waist not empire waist I'm sorry what's the waist that's like really high up high waist whatever and I never really see her face but like in the time that like I'm taking her in and like she seems like she's not from this time she's like you don't want me in and I'm like well my doors are already open like you should probably just come in and she's like but I'm a vampire and she like floats her way in and then I woke up and so it was that dream that somebody said to me like do you think that is real life and what we are in right now is a dream Yay!